Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Hello and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder, the Equal Opportunity True Crime Podcast. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. What up? Fran, what has been going on with you, man? You had the weekend off. How did you turn up as a father of two? Chillaxing, man. I stay in my house. Is that the turn up? Yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> stay in my house. Things I have change. no reason to go anywhere. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> All your snacks? Do you do Grubhub or order up? Yeah. Get it, just get it right to the house. Yep, send to my house. No need to go anywhere. I don't need to leave the house. That's my bubble. I don't need to leave TV. that. Also, I wanted to let you know, uh, as of today, mm-hmm. which is Monday, <clears throat> we are officially a cableless home. Oh, oh, yeah, we you, talked about that. You, oh, you, you made the switch? You, uh, I've made the switch. You've, you've converted me told you, into man. me throwing another stone into the dynasty of cable yeah. and eventually killing what, what, which was what was once something that my mother risked, like, fines and jail time over yeah having to hook up a guy come in and it, it was it was like liquid it was like television gold it was yeah. like if you have cable in your house you're doing big things yes you know people come in i remember one time we had a legal cable hookup the cable people came in and shut the power down on the whole block for just you guys i don't know if it was just us but and i'll tell you and i could be wrong it might have just been a power outage thing but when those people left we didn't have cable anymore hmm. power was out whole block was out for two hours, those people left. We didn't have illegal cable anymore. Yeah, I popped up on the radar or something. That's what. I'm, but this was this was early two thousands where it was still people. The cable companies were making buku bucks, mm. and now it's a dying industry. Yes, and I contributed to that today by throwing another stone in that awful machine and being and being officially a streaming household. Mm. Fuck cable. There's no, there's no need for. It. I told you, man. Hulu it's has live sports. Has everything. I watched those commercials and I didn't pay it in any mind until you told me. Yes. Yes, no. If that they, They're not just saying that. No. You can watch live sports on Hulu. So why do I need cable for? Just need Wi-Fi. That's all you need. I told them, come, bring me, give me the best Wi-Fi, yep. and get that cable shit out of my house. Take the boxes with you. Be, be gone. So thank you, man. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, no problem. Hey, I told you I made the switch a long time ago. I was like, I don't need, I, what I need cable? I had the cable, and then I wasn't even using it. I had the Comcast Triple Play house phone. I haven't had a house phone in, since 2007. Five. Yes. Who? Nobody has a house phone. Why am I nope. paying? Even if it's just ten dollars, why am I paying to have a house phone line? Just use your cell phone. <laughs> house phones are done. You know. Speaking of dying uh, dynasties and industries, mm-hmm. friend, I have to show you a picture. Okay. Because I, a, a tweet resurfaced uh, of this Uber driver who mm-hmm. is shocking the world once again. 
That is Alfonso Jones. Can you tell me who Alfonso Jones looks like? I did see this. Yes. Who does he like? Somebody we know? No. Oh, just Michael Jackson? Yes. Yeah. Uh, according to Alfonso Jones, Michael Jackson ripped his whole shit off. That's the Thriller album pose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On the elbow, white jacket, mm-hmm. light hitting you. Uh, I will be. I've decided I'm gonna play an Alfonso Jones song. Yeah. Later on, called "Your Booty Makes Me Feel Moody." Mm-hmm. Uh, the vibes are the sound. The, the, the sounds are the same. Um, he has a lot of the same noise now. This Alfonso Jones album and Thriller came out both in 1982. Hmm. So there's a discrepancy. I don't know if who came first because mm-hmm. Mike could have came out in February and then Alfonso Jones hears Thriller drops this album in you know July. Yeah. But if it's the other way around, they stole his whole swag. Hmm. Are you uh, gonna play a song? Can I hear the song? Or? Uh, I will be playing it uh at, at once we finish the goodbye. Okay. All right. So I will be I'll, I'll, I'll be playing it at some point. Um, but let's we're gonna continue because um, what uh, it's been a rough week for Michael Jackson. I still don't know where people fall on Michael Jackson. Strange guy, but it is official. That that Leaving Neverland documentary was bullshit. Okay. You know? Mm-hmm. Now, if there's other things to condemn Michael Jackson that I'm sure that are out there, because, again, he was a strange guy. What do you mean bullshit? It wasn't true? Those guys were uh, leeches. Hmm. They lied. They made up things. And they prof- they tried to profit off of his estate. And when they weren't able to do that, they tried to find another way, which was using the pedophile... Uh, uh, n- narrative around Michael Jackson and say we were molested by Michael Jackson. Mm. But what happened was when Michael Jackson died, one of the main guys in that documentary came out and said, oh, well, if y'all are doing a dance tribute to Michael Jackson, can I be in the dance tribute? And they were like, no, we're going to have like professional people do that. So yeah. they had, And then Michael Jackson had a Cirque du Soleil show, which... Um, you've never been to Vegas, right? Mm-mm. Cirque du Soleil does these incredible shows, dancing and visually. And mm-hmm. They have a Beatles one. And he wanted to be a part of that as well. They said no. Why? Because who is he? He's a nope. He's, he, he, he just wanted to be. He just wanted to He just wanted to be a dancer, but they're like, we have we have dance. We're, we're I was not. asking, like, why does he want to be in it is what I was Because he feels like he's was connected to Mike and was a part of Mike's uh, history or whatever. And felt he, like he was more important to the Michael Jackson legacy than he is. But he was in a documentary saying that he got molested. Yes. Okay. Um, but this all came after all these no's. And he's mm-hmm. like, I need mm-hmm. money, yeah. so I'm going to roll with it. Thi- this is how mm-hmm. everybody knows I was with Mike. And if they don't want to give me a positive role in his life, I got I to gotta use my history with Michael Jackson in whatever way I can. Mm-hmm. And that whole Leaving Neverland documentary produced by Oprah Winfrey, everybody came out and bashed Michael Jackson. Produced by Oprah Winfrey. Yes. And again, I don't, I am not going to sit here and say Michael Jackson isn't guilty of something. But that thing was uh, bullshit. Hmm. Um, so why did, no, man, I'm, I was about to go deep into it. Yeah. I, I, st- I just don't like the Michael Jackson disrespect, man. I just, I just, I mean, I don't like it. His, his music is incredible. And, but this thing I'm seeing right here, this is a big blow. Because Alfonso Jones is an Uber driver. So if this dude created the vibe, even if his songs are weird, like your booty makes me feel moody, that's a weird kind of uh, lyric. Mm-hmm. And if Michael Jackson just heard that shit and was like, I'm going to make this more uh, evasive and less straight to the point and say 
something a little more metaphorical than like, girl, I want to sex you down and, and rub on your booty. Mm-hmm. But he used the same, and I'm going to don't do, and ah, but he did it in a more subtle way than mm-hmm. Alfonso Jones. He plagiarized Alfonso Jones. Mm-hmm. And plagiarism is big right now, you know, <clears throat> to, in the <laughs> podcasting world. I'm not going you know, to get involved in that. I don't really, you know, delve into talking shit about other podcasts. Mm-hmm. But the, the plagiarism thing is going around rampant. And it's a big topic right now. And if this dude is driving an Uber right now, and Michael Jackson was able to buy monkeys and lions and tigers and bears and live and have a Ferris wheel in his house and travel all over the world, even if his next sound wasn't this guy's sound, mm-hmm. Thriller was a big album in the Michael Jackson uh, discography. And he might have just ripped the whole dude's swagger off. Mm-hmm. Now, I do find it weird that one... So it's, it's, there's no question somebody ripped off somebody because you don't just coincidentally do the white jacket elbow pose and then Michael Jackson did it or then you did it it's one of those things happened he either saw Mike's album cover and then he did it or Mike saw him do it and then he did it it's just too close there's no way around where it's, it's similar or whatever no those two things are mirrors of each other I need to hear the song I just want to Booty makes you feel moody? Yeah. Okay. You know what? Fuck it. We'll play it right now. Okay. All right. So, again, I'm going to play it as the uh, the song heading into the break just so it's a little more clear. But I'm going to play it off my phone right now just okay. to give you, just to let you get the vibes. This is Booty Make You Feel Moody by Alfonso Jones. Even the laugh, man. The little in-between talking. Mm, that baby. It's too close. Somebody's copying somebody. Come on. I mean, that's all I'm going to give you that heat. That's yeah. all I'm going to give you that heat. Okay. Somebody's me, copying somebody. Okay, let me speak on this. Okay. I consider myself Michael Jackson expert. Sure. Um, I think he took that from Michael. You think he took that from Mike? Yeah, because the whole Mike been doing this since he was a kid. That's true. Having that, that baby voice. Point. That is a good point. It's not. I don't think you can go him just coming out of nowhere saying, "Oh, I'm gonna sing this way." Yeah. I just don't. I. It, it just. I don't think so. I think it's no way he took that. The, the the photo album? Uh-huh. Nah, man. The curly hair? Nah. I, no. It's too similar. No way. And no you, way. you're going to give, because no Mike's the bigger person, you're going to give him the benefit of the doubt before you give it to Alfonso Jones? Is that what you're saying? No, that's not what I'm saying. Because that's, that, that's just, not fair. What you're saying nah, is not man. fair. Because okay. it, it's possible, but it's, it sounds like what you're saying is Mike was so big that I believe somebody would steal from Mike before Mike would steal from somebody you, else. But you see so many people... Trying to be Mike. Yes. Still singing the way he sang. Dan- he he was a dancer. This is true. But can this, this guy dance? I don't know. I didn't see I don't if, know. If, he dan- <laughs> if he can dance. That's not what's that's not what we're yeah. in court for. But if right he can dance, da- da- no. right now. Right now we're in court for the white jacket <laughs> on the elbow and the baby. If he could bust a moonwalk, uh huh. If he had footage of him busting a moonwalk the, back in the eighties or whatever. But the point is, this then, is, is eighty two. This is a transitional point in Michael Jackson's life. This would be like uh if uh, let's see a, a person that's more known for like if T-Pain when he was like before he started doing auto-tune mm-hmm. 
if he like let's say we found a bunch of footage of T Pain had a whole like five albums where he wasn't doing auto tune, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden he does I'm in love with a stripper, and then we find another song that's like I'm in love with Jesus using auto tune, and this guy's like I. I started using auto-tune and I made a song called I'm In Love With Jesus and then this guy T-Pain heard it and now all of a sudden all his music is auto-tune music. It sounds like he might have jacked that dude's whole gimmick and used it for something else and then blew up. Yeah, that's different though. Because it's transitional. He was a kid artist little doing little kid songs. Maybe he needed a new, uh, that disco sound uh-huh. and you know all that kind of stuff. This was a transitional period in Michael Jackson's life. He's out of the Jackson 5. He's grown. I think another album, didn't the album come out before Thriller? I think another. Um, I think he had album before. Thriller. I don't know if Off the Wall came out before Thriller. It might have. Uh, Thriller came out in '82. Mm-hmm. Off the Wall came out in '79. Told you. He always yeah, off, sang that way. Yeah, Off the Wall. That's nothing. Off new. The, I take. You know what? Damn, that's a good point. Pretty off, Young off Thing. The wall, off the Wall is very disco. Pretty Young Thing, I think, was an Off yeah, the Wall. Uh, I'm pretty sure Off the Wall was. Uh, yeah, let's see. Um, let's let's settle this once and for all. Off the Wall. Well, already I can tell you. Don't stop till you get enough. He was doing all that. Both. Yeah, yeah, Alfonso Jones. Uh, nice try. He might be driving an Uber for a reason. <laughs> There's yeah, no way. Come he, on now. Yeah, no. but it sounds good. So what it happened, sounds what, good. Yeah. What sounds good is Alf- what happened was uh, Michael Jackson song came on the radio while this lady was driving in, in the back of an Uber, mm-hmm. and this guy goes, you know, hey, uh, look up my name. I'm Alfonso Jones. You know, Mike stole my whole shit. Here's a photo of me on the. He stole my album cover, mm-hmm. and the story g- grew legs. And but this was like three years ago, but it popped back up on my feed this weekend. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Wait, what? Nah, you know." So I'm you still can't. gonna I'm still gonna play Booty Makes Me Feel Moody. Yeah, it, just, to give him, just to give him a shout out. He's driving an Uber. Let's get let's drive some streams his way. Maybe get him a couple dollars. But Alfonso Jones, I don't know, man. Nah. Uh, don't stop till you get enough. Uh, supersedes Booty Makes You Feel Moody. And Mike was doing all the babies and the keys and the and the jumps the, and all, you know. So you said that he came up. Why is he not? Why doesn't he have any other job in the music industry? He Michael t- look if, if oh, you oh, listen oh, if to you it, want, if you want to if you want if you want to make it a conspiracy I can make it a conspiracy if Michael Jackson stole your whole shit and he doesn't want you to succeed you won't succeed in, in the eighties okay so I, I stole this whole swagger don't let him get a platform to continue to succeed because I I don't want him to expose me so blackball him yeah, that's, that's possible. That's but I'm not saying that's what happened but if you want me to if you want to put me up against the wall that's, and make me make but it if a that's the problem you have. At his at his level, being a superstar, then hey, I'm sorry. That's it is it, what it is. It is what it is. Hey, Amen. See, and you're, and you're, and you're contributing to the conglomerate giantness that's going on, where these big guys are feeding on these little guys, like uh, Schmime Schmunkies. I'm not going to say their podcast. I'm not, I don't like to bash people, but like, because they're giant and huge, hey man, if they come and feast on you, that's just how the, the that's just the way of the game, and that's Life how it goes. Life is unfair, bro. Wow, elitist Fran. Sorry. Wow, you know, big bank take little bank, huh? High goes, man. All right, well, fair enough. Well, we'll <laughs> we're gonna leave it at that. What we're gonna do is, I didn't, need, I didn't know who I was sitting across from. I didn't know I was sitting across from uh, Fran Bloomberg, the billionaire <laughs> tycoon, just you know, stealing hey. people's shit and flipping and remixing it. And now it's mine, and I did it better, you know. Hey, hey, hey. you guys, you guys here. This is who you guys. This is who you guys appreciate, and he's a star. This dude is. This dude is. Well, this is one percent Fran. Fran is capitalism. Run amok. This, you should be ashamed for standing this person. Franning this person. Ah, nice. Ah, ah, <laughs> ah, yeah. We're going to get into these good vibes. Uh, let's take a break real quick. Good, 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 good vibration. Yeah, 
yes, welcome to another segment of Good Vibes. Let's get some positive energy to start the week off. You start your day off. This might be a weekend. You might be listening to this in 2024. I don't know. Either way, prepare to catch these vibes. Fran, you got something for me? Yeah. My good vibe this week. Um, for 67 years, Francis Klotz, Klotz, maybe Francis Klotz, okay. has never had to worry about what to wear. Okay. That's because... Butt naked? Huh? No. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> 67 years old, you better be walking around butt naked. That's because he and his beloved wife, Rosemary who picks out his dapper clothes, mm. has been wearing matching outfits every day for 67 years of marriage. Oh, wow. That's, yeah, wow. I applaud that. Yeah. I mean, I wish I could be married for that long. 67 years? You hope to be alive that long. That's what I mean. Both. Yeah, Just both. You know, <laughs> that, that's awesome. I mean, wow. I don't know about picking out my clothes. Yeah, it's longevity. You know, well, me and Sierra stepped out, stepped out over this weekend. You know, dressed similarly. Every day, you don't do yeah, that every, every day. day. No, every day is a commitment because sometimes I just want to put on some sweatpants and a t-shirt. That's what I mean. We're not gonna both have sweatpants and a t-shirt. Yeah, that's but his mean. wife picks the clothes, so mm-hmm. he just that sounds kind of like me. Yeah. In the future, where I go, I don't care. Just... Yeah, yeah. Listen, the secret to a happy marriage, <laughs> from what I've been told, is the spouse. Th- see, and these are where these gender normatives kind of cloud the idea of marriage but there's somebody in charge in every marriage yes it's just somebody somebody is the person where or there's a there's a dominant and a submissive mm-hmm. and there's a and and that be, can be taken as an extreme but sometimes there's a person that's just like whatever you want to do I yeah don't know. and there's a person that's like okay we're gonna do this and do mm-hmm. that now if you are if there's two people and the other person is combative about that that's not gonna work out no i don't want to do that i don't like rock climbing yeah. i don't want to go do this that's not gonna work out the best way, so for me, in my situation, I feel like I'm the more submissive person. Mm-hmm. And whether I'm jazzed about it or not, I'll just go do it. Because yeah. whatever. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, whatever. You want to go pick apples? Let's go pick apples. That's great. Well, it'll be fun. I'll have fun once I get there. Unless it has anything to do with beach and water. I still do that, too. Nope. You just, no. You I'm not. put no. your foot down in that situation. Nah. But for the rest, you go along. Yeah. Okay. Well, you got to have, you, you <laughs> you have your bugaboo. Some yeah. stuff is like, look, I can't back down on this one. I don't like doing it, yeah. and I'm not doing it. Well, for me, it's roller coasters. Okay. Sierra likes roller coasters. I will die before I get on a roller yeah, coaster. Yeah, I know. It just is not my thing. I don't understand the point of being scared for fun. That's not, you know. It's a thrill. It's fun. You know, I'm black in America. It's a th- I wake up to a thrill. I don't need to get on roller coaster rides. It's not the same. That's I'll never find. <laughs> hey, I have to take your word for it because I'll never know. <laughs> All right. All right. So the the stylish sweethearts first met during high school, and by the time they were both seniors, they were going steady. Oh, that's cute. They only started wearing similar clothes after Rosemary's mother bought them both matching T-shirts, and when they were teen, when they were teens, and their outfits have been. Their mom bought the matching T-shirts uh-huh. when they were teens, mm-hmm. and their outfits have been in sync ever since. Yeah, I can already tell how that happened. Rosemary was like, oh, my God, I love this. This is so cute. Let's do this every yeah. day. He's like, okay, cool. Yeah, she'll probably do this for like She's a week. She's happy. Fine. It'll probably go on for like a week or whatever, and then no. she'll move on. Nope. 67 years later. <laughs> According to Rosemary, Francis never had much talent for matching his out his own outfits. Mm. So she's like, that taste. Just like fuck it. Yeah. What dress me? Yep. She just lays it. She lays it out for me, and I don't have to worry about a thing. Oh damn. Yep. Their outfits aren't the only thing in sync. In sync either. Their senior, the senior couple also sings in perfect harmony for their local church and hospital in Sacramento, California. Okay, I need to drop an album then. Yep. Francis and Rosemary are both eighty-seven years old. Oh now, damn. And will be celebrating their sixty-eighth wedding anniversary. I mean, they've damn near been together their whole lives. What's the what's the wedding uh, uh, 
what's the gift you get each other for the 68th anniversary? Same like, design uh, outfit. Uh, oxygen tank. Oh, oh, I thought you were talking about another outfit. No, I think like, because every year is like a thing. Like wood, metal, hmm. uh, flowers. 68 years, that's like uh, a yeah. box of prunes. Depends. Some, <laughs> some, that's just the, the depends year. Yeah. We'll be celebrating their 68th wedding anniversary next month. And they... And they assured reporters that their celebration will be just as pitch perfect as their duets. Mm. Now they have a photo. They have matching, uh, like like a, like a sweat jacket. Yeah, it's like gray, and then it has black, and then it has um, the name. They had their last name on it on like a little patch. Right oh, here. then they got engraved. Yeah, chip? and then they have they both have purple shirts on, and they both sitting in one of those little like Walker things you sit in. Uh huh. They both sit in one of those. Oh, that's fly. That's an album cover. <laughs> that's an album cover. I need I, that heat. So it's that's beautiful, man. Just, that's 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 uh, that's that doesn't happen anymore. No. Yeah. No. Sixty-eight years. That's a long. That's a long time, time man. Sixty-eight years, eighty-seven years. Just I'm assuming are outfits. they Caucasian? Yeah. Okay. Well, I, mean, I always get weird when I leery of uh, eighty anybody over seventy that's white. I'm like, you might have been racist at some point. Probably. But I'm sure Rosemary and, and what? Francis. Frank? Francis? Yeah. I'm sure they weren't. I'm sure they were just great people living their life. And I just, don't know. Let's I'm not ruin gonna, the good vibes. We won't even dive into it. it. They've dressed cute together, and that's just their thing, and that's great. I'm sure there was no vibes, no negative energy. Great. Shout out to them. <laughs> I hope we get that album soon. Yeah. My good vibes this week was actually posted on the um, Facebook page. I don't know about who, so I'm not going to try to guess mm -hmm. but it was a video of a woman who uh, was doing some pretty great things on Skid Row in California so <clears throat> so this is uh, my good vibes this week is about Shirley Raines Skid Row every time I hear that I think of Death Row I don't well Death Row was going on in California yeah it's just you know. when I say I think, I think of uh, Tupac Shug and I think of Shug well this is very the opposite of that can't help it yeah no this is this is not that so um, so what Shirley Raines does is she offers home, the homeless community of Skid Row food, showers, and beauty services mm. through her nonprofit Beauty to the Streets. I like that. Yeah, it's almost is that like a name? Beauty to it's, the Streets. Like, like Step Up to mm -hmm. the Streets, the movie. It's that. Mm. But with a Z for streets because mm. this is real. Just slang. Yeah, yeah, it's Louis Bonics. Okay. It kind of looks like a MySpace uh, name header mm -hmm. where you, a backwards num letter or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, it's yeah. the like Z placed at the bottom of the T. No, they she didn't use a little <laughs> she didn't use a little Z. She didn't use a little oh, Z. Okay. It was just a regular Z. Uh, she, this is mature shit. It's uh, street and urban, but it's mature. Is the Z going past the whole bottom of the? <laughs> no, it, it, it swirls back and underlines it. No, no, she no, she didn't. She didn't. She didn't do all that. Uh, Shirley Raines has been offering homeless community the homeless community of Skid Row a helping hand, dignity, and beauty services for the past three years mm. through her nonprofit Beauty to the Streets. Uh, according to KABC, the Long Beach native got her start by feeding houseless people with a nonprofit with a different nonprofit after going through the pain of losing her child. Mm. I'm telling you, man, you find some of your biggest inspirations, and sometimes you find yourself through the darkest times of your life. And this sounds like this might have been a situation for Shirley. Um, it wasn't long until she realized that wimp that women in particular were interested in hair and makeup. So there's all women? Just they just helping out women? They might be helping out men too, but from okay. the video I saw, it was all women getting, okay. she, you know, getting you know, their hair done. Mm -hmm. I'm sure she's not excluding men, 
but she does hair and makeup. So maybe a dude might want a haircut, but the makeup part is, you know, she basically is glamming and beautifying this women, yeah. giving them heels and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that. So okay. it's not, exc- it might be, I don't know, it might be some, you know, some, uh, some gay guys or, you know, dudes who like to dress like women mm-hmm. down there that can benefit from this as well. But for the most part, her, the people that come to her, because it was inspired by people being, because she has like short, she has like the Amber Rose thing, but mm-hmm. it's green, you know, mm-hmm. and she has piercings and eyeshadow and women, homeless women will come up to her and go, oh my God, I love your hair. Yeah. I love your perfume that you're wearing. I love your nails, your shoes. And she's like, oh, well, yeah, women still are women. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, even if they're homeless on hard times, every woman wants to be beautiful yeah. and look pretty and put on a nice dress or have their eyes look pretty and have somebody give them a nice compliment or, mm-hmm. you know, another woman give them a nice compliment and tell them, girl, you're killing that. Look at you in those heels. But, you know, hard times are hard times. Yeah. So she's kind of trying to step in and make women feel that again. So she said, of course, makeup is not going to take them off the streets, but it's going to make them feel better. It's a small escape from this terrible reality they're living in. Reigns told the news station this. She also said they look in the mirror and see something other than homelessness. It just brings them back to who they were. And you did a similar story about uh, that there was a guy building little small houses yeah. for for people. It's like mm-hmm. it's just something. And you also you also did another story about a woman who was decorating government housing. Yeah. Um. It's the same. It's the same idea. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, you could come home. Uh, yes. Uh. You you went from you're in this program that provided you four walls and a roof, mm-hmm. but it still just doesn't feel. You don't feel great in this space. Mm-hmm. So we're going to come in and give you a beautiful couch and give you design pillows and put some some fake some fake trees in your house mm-hmm. and really make it feel like a home. Yeah. To make you feel like this is something I need to upkeep and, and work hard to keep mm-hmm. as opposed to just, a, you know, you're sleeping on a, the mattresses on the floor in the house, you know. So for this is a little gesture first. She's like, yes, I can't make them not homeless. But if I instill confidence in them to make them, make them feel good, maybe that gesture will be what makes them get up and I'm going to go get a job today mm-hmm. or I'm going to uh, call my mom and and tell her I'm sorry and try to get my family back mm-hmm. or whatever. It, the small gesture can go a long way. I told you, man, I still think about I, I gave a dude, I, I tell this story, I probably told it like 15 times on this, but I gave this dude, homeless dude, a couple years ago, I gave him like $5 and he appreciated that I shook his hand. Mm-hmm. He was just so thankful to get treated like a person, man. Like people walk past homeless people every day and just like they're not there. Yeah, you you avoid eye contact because you think they're gonna ask you for something because they need something. But to you, that's an inconvenience. It's like, oh, don't a- don't ask me for money. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to even talk to me. And that's the life that these people have to endure, man. Being ignored and being uh, looked down upon and be feeling like you're disgusted by them, and you know. So this woman's like, no, fuck that. We're gonna do the opposite of that mm-hmm. and make these people feel good about themselves. So Range travels from Long Beach to Skid Row every weekend to offer her services. She takes the time to cook for four to six hundred people every week in her one-bedroom apartment, all while working a full-time job and being a mother of six. And she lost a child as well. Wow. Yeah, this is the most selfless. This is fully selfless because it doesn't even, I'm not going to make assumptions, but it doesn't sound like her conditions are the best. No. One-bedroom apartment with six kids. I mean, that's insane. And she still is offering herself to others it's better than me that's for sure for what she said monday through friday someone is saying uh get out of the way you bum no you can't have this you bum you're a nuisance 
Um, and on Saturday, someone is saying, you're important, you're special, Reigns said, explaining what drives her. The reality of Skid Row is that it took a long time to earn that trust. I'm asking someone to close their eyes, lay their head, I didn't even think about this part, because these people are like, have had to break bottles and get off my stuff. Yeah. And she's like, lay your head back and expose your neck to me and close your eyes. Yeah. And you have to trust somebody when you've been through a life, you've been sexually assaulted, yeah. who knows what. And you're, and you're you know, uh, that's an intimate thing is washing somebody's hair and doing their makeup and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's an intimate process. So, yeah, I can understand. I didn't even think about that aspect of it. Um, so she says, she also added, it took years of coming back every single Saturday. Reigns noted that her deep connection to serving the people on Skid Row comes from her own hardships and almost being homeless herself. She said, I'm a woman who actually lived this life in the streets, buried a child, went through traumatic relationships, was almost homeless myself, picked myself up, been working in the medical field for 26 years. I'm still very much ghetto, but I I love her. But I survived that, Reigns said. I'm able to say, I get it, I understand, but you've got to just get through it. And uh, that's the story. Like I said, she has uh, green amber rose hair, uh, lip piercings, and she's just as ghetto as she wants to be and and can still and still is going out there and making a difference in the world. She has six know? kids. Six kids. Wow. Six kids in a small living space and where she also cooks to feed four to 600 people every week. Wow. So shout out to Shirley Raines. Yeah, shout um, out to her. That is definitely. I love that line. I'm like, I'm st- I'm still as ghetto as can be because we need more people like her. Yeah, man. Sure. I, people, the I don't even. I was gonna say my, my what I was gonna say is when you see people that look like you helping, it's more inspirational than feeling like people are coming down to help you in in a superior kind of way. Mm-hmm. When you feel. Oh, look at these missionaries coming down and feeding these poor little ghetto homeless people. When you see somebody from that community, in that community, helping that community, it it's a level of uh, aspiration and motivation that's just different. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes the Nipsey Hussle situation so tragic. Yeah. Because that's what he was doing. And some jealous person killed him. So, um, rest in peace, Nipsey Hussle. I didn't mean, I'm not trying, I'm not even going to get into it, but... That is what he was doing. Mm-hmm. That's what Shirley Raines is doing. She's giving back to her own community, to people that she identifies with because she was almost them. Yeah. And uh, that's about the greatest thing you can do. I remember a couple months ago after when the Nipsey Hussle thing happened, I was very much like, well, fuck it. What's the point? Yeah. But then when I hear stories like this, it brings me back around. It's like, of course you need to, you just got to do it. Of course you got to help and give back when you can to the people that are in the circumstances that you were a, a fucking nut hair away from being mm-hmm. it, you know. So, um, shout out to Shirley Raines. Shout out to that fucking dope ass couple who uh, dressed the same and wore in fucking monogrammed sweatshirts or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> That's dope as hell. And uh, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break, and I'm gonna play you guys Alfonso Jones, the booty. My your booty makes me moody. And when we come back, we're gonna talk about some fucked up shit. So stick around.
All right, and we are back, friend. It is my turn to go first this yep. week. Um, please prepare yourself. Um, I will be telling the story of Carrie Johnson and the Red Summer of 1919. Mm. Uh, my sources were Jefferson Marley from the Washington Post mm-hmm. and an article by Cheryl Townsend Gilks from the religiousnews.com website. Mm-hmm. Okay, so <clears throat> Ben and Carrie Johnson peered out of a second story window of their brick row house at 2020 G Street Northwest uh, in Washington, D.C. On the sidewalk below, dozens of white men clustered around with glowing street lamps pointing up at them. Mm. Trapped and surrounded, the Johnsons feared for their lives. Is this a black fi- family? Yes. Okay. Mother, uh, father and daughter. Mm-hmm. I'll, get, I'll, get, I'll get to the description of them as well. It was the night of Monday, July 21st, 1919, mm. and the city of Washington was engulfed in racial combat. In expectation of trouble... Ben, a 52-year-old African-American man, had obtained a 38 caliber revolver. With his 17-year-old daughter, Carrie, he watched the chaotic scene outside where black residents taking refuge on the roofs of their houses were hurling rocks down at the gathering whites. An African-American mus- musician returning from a late-night gig heard someone shout, Get the nigger! Mm. A flying brick struck a police officer in the head, dropping him to his knees. Gunshots sounded from the house from the houses across the street. A car full of white men roaring up the alley next to the Johnson's row house uh, is where they is one of the stories where the gunfire might have come from. Okay, so who threw the brick? Uh, I was lost. It was just chaos happening. There was okay, it was no, like but- a race war happening. So they saw a black musician jumped on him, but there were also police down there quote-unquote monitoring the situation, but they weren't really doing anything, uh-huh. and a police got hit with a brick. Hmm. That might have been from a brick coming off of a rooftop. Yeah, okay. Because there's right. black people on the roof throwing bricks down to white people, white people on the, on the streets attacking whatever black people they can get their hands on, uh-huh. and police just kind of scattered around not really doing, doing anything. Right. And somebody, one of them got hit with a stray brick. Hmm. Should have been doing something. Oh, yeah. Well, it's 1919, man. They were doing something. Letting the Nothing. white people... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, a car full of white men came roaring down the alley to next to the Johnson's row house. More gunfire rang out. Mm. Two Metropolitan Police patrolmen approached, and bystanders told them the shots had come from the second floor, which is where the Johnsons were. Mm-hmm. The patrolmen sent for reinforcements. Within minutes, two army trucks spit out two dozen armed Marines who surrounded the row house, ready for orders. This night was just one of the many that took place in the spring to fall months of 1919 all over the United States. 100 summers ago to this, you know, to the date, like to this summer, Mm -hmm. white Americans violently and industriously and energetically and viciously killed black people in lynchings, riots, and well-organized mass murders. Mm. Poet, activist, and NAACP field secretary James Weldon Johnson called this the Red Summer. From April to, April to November 1919, the United States experienced a rolling series of race wars that might be described as neo-Confederate offensives. Mm. Riots broke out in at least 26 cities. Lynching spread, and by the year's end, 76 black men would be lynched, the most in a decade. Everywhere, the story was the same. White mobs, often encouraged by newspaper attention, mobilized to attack their African-American neighbors for crimes real and imagined. And listen, I'm not trying to make any parallels to what's going on in the country right now, but history repeats itself. Yeah. 
people are being radicalized and, and riled up by news stories and videos of things happening and fake stories and all this kind of stuff. So in a in a sense, history repeats itself. I'm not saying this identical thing is happening, but last week we kind of alluded to our fears of uh, the the next election maybe bringing some craziness. And yeah. this is like the ultimate. What I'm describing is the worst fear of that. Mm-hmm. This is the worst possible scenario that we could possibly picture. So let's not let history repeat itself. I'm going to continue my story. In Washington, mobs of white men led by soldiers and sailors who had recently returned from the Great War in Europe, that was World, that's World War I, and were living in the Marine barracks on Capitol Hill, began attacking people of color on Saturday, July 19th. Incited to, and, and pay attention to this, incited by sensationalistic, sometimes false stories about black rapists, the soldiers started randomly assaulting men in the Southwest, the black neighborhoods south of the mall. Again, I'm going to say, history repeats itself. Donald Trump is saying people are ra- rapists, some are good people, whatever. And that, the, the I, we give people too much credit that they can hear something and discern it as, yeah, well, some people are rapists and then they aren't all of, it's like, no, you're saying peop, those people that look like that rape people. Mm-hmm. So fuck them all. Yeah. There is, some people can't just dis- like, differentiate it's like oh a mexican person they're a rapist a black person in 1919 they're out here raping people well let's go just beat up a black person like you mean you saying putting all of them in the same category just because of one person yeah yes or or because of just stories random story oh uh, there was a rape in wisconsin and it was a black guy it was a black guy that did it so So black people rape people oh gotcha this is what stoked this the fears and led to the red summer in 1919 Mm. where white people were like well we can't just have these black people out here raping people Fucking let's just let's gather together and just start beating black people up like Liam Neeson. So the Red Summer is that like blood? Yeah, it was a bloody it was a bloody summer mm. all across the country, twenty seven cities at least, mm. just little pockets of race wars. In the South, or no, just it's all over. This is Washington D.C. I don't know. If oh it's... shit! Oh, Washington yeah. D.C. has southern tendencies, I guess, like Maryland. Yeah. You know, but we're not the South. I, at least mm. to me, I don't. We're not the South. On Sunday, the attack spread to the downtown area along Pennsylvania Avenue. The underpaid police force stood aside, and the mobs were soon joined by women and children shouting encouragement. A black man was beaten outside the White House, the most secure place in the country. And they were like, oh, that's just what's going on right now, man. I don't know. That doesn't, that's not an emergency to us. Mm. So that's just what's going on. Uh, much to the surprise of white people, black men started fighting back. The nation's capital was also home to hundreds of black soldiers who had served in the, in the separate battalion, uh, a logistical support unit that drove trucks and supplied kitchens. That was a surprise that they fight back. Yeah, they were like, what the fuck are they, are they hitting us back? What is this? How dare they? That makes them more mad. Uh, so uh, others have fought in the all-black 367th and 369th Infantry Regiments in France. Historian C.R. Gibbs reports that when the city threw a parade for returning veterans in early 1919, these men had been told they could not march. Mm. Having served their country only to be snubbed, they were bitter and bitterly determined to defend their rights. So they went, fought, died for this country, 
provided services for this country in time of war, and when they came back, they got treated like they would have got treated like any other person that's black in 1919. Mm-hmm. And that would make me feel furious as well. Yeah. And that's what made what Muhammad Ali did, did so incredible because it's like, I'm not going to go fight in some fucking war when y'all are calling me a nigger and, yeah. and, and, and throwing shit at me on the streets and you want me to go fight for this country? Yeah. You know, and people, this is the thing that, we. these are things that need to be addressed for in order to be able to move on. Mm-hmm. You can't just go, well, you know, Barack Obama was elected, so like all that stuff just didn't happen now. Real shit happened and people were mad and are mad justifiably. There's reasons people are mad. They're not just mad because just mad and yeah. won't let something go. There were people who fought for this country and died for this country who were told, you can't march alongside these people in this parade, even though you guys did the same thing. That's, like the, that. that's the history of this country, man. Yeah. That's insane. You think I'm going to sign up? I know you get a Camaro and whatever. You think I'm going to sign up and get a Camaro yeah. and, and, and fight and almost die for this country? And I come back and you're like, nah, man, you can't. You can't, you can't represent yourself alongside us. You're yeah. different. You 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 don't get Fuck to do that. that. Yeah, it's insane, man. So, um, and all this shit came to a head in 1919. All these feelings. I fought for this country and I've treated like shit. Mm-hmm. And all these fucking fake news stories and all these white people being fear scared of black people and black people being angry at white people. It all came to a head, and that was the Red Summer of mm-hmm. 1919. Uh, when the white mobs started to rampage downtown, word spread to North U Street. And black men converged at the intersection of 7th Street and Florida Avenue Northwest, the heart of the African-American community. So they, these white people were not scared. They went right down into, this, into these black neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And, and they, went, they wanted black people, and they went right to the black people. Um, with concealed guns, knives, and clubs, they defied white police officers who, off, who ordered them to disperse. So basically, they were out there to defend their neighborhood from white mobs mm-hmm. and the police were like go back into your houses and let these white mobs come and pick and choose what house they want to go into and gang up on you that's crazy. don't rally together and fight them back so disperse that's wild yes yeah, i mean you can't even they they basically tell you like you can't even defend yourself just go ahead and yeah go home that's and just wild. let what happened to you happen to you nah yeah i'd have put one in them yeah so that that's what you know that that they didn't do that and so there was a race that's war. fucked up um. So yeah, so they had they all they you know a race war basically mm-hmm. jumped off. The Washington Bee, the city's African American weekly newspaper, reported that men on bicycles rode from house to house, warning that colored householders who roused they w- went from house to house, warning colored colored householders who roused themselves to meet the invaders. So basically, the dude was on there was dudes on bicycles. Like, Yo, it's going down. Yeah, get your shit, <laughs> get your knives, get your. They're coming. Yeah. You know, the British are coming, but it's just white people, you know, so, and they were on bikes and they, it's, yeah, you know, they've got everybody out of their house. Yo, they, they're coming. Let's get, let's get it. So they were like waiting outside or they was like going, meet, meeting them at a location or something? No, they, if you know how, you, was you've, like been, you've, been to, you've been to DC, they have those like blocks of row houses. Yeah. They all came out and just were in the middle of the street, whole neighborhood. Mm. And then while the mobs headed their way, so they met head on. Mm. Mobs come in. We're here in our neighborhood. We're all together. Let's let's get it. What do you how you want to carry it? I'll be like I'll be on, I'll be on the balcony. I'll snipe for me. Well, there were people on the roofs oh. throwing rocks down. The shit's cra- the shit. This <laughs> happened a hundred in the last one hundred years, man. Yeah. that's insane. Like a, a lot of people's great grandparents were involved in this. That's nuts. Like it's not. We're not talking about five hundred years ago. We're talking about nineteen nineteen. You know. 
It's wild. Bread was sliced bread was invented shortly after this. You know, so this 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 isn't that long ago. You know, people there are people there are not many and they might not be able to articulate it, but there are people still alive or were still alive within the last 10 years who remember this. You know what I mean? That's who remember this being a story told by their mom like, "Yeah, man, it was crazy." Like, I, a rock a police officer hit me in the head with a baton and I got stoned with a bunch of bricks. Hello, sir. <laughs> yes, uh, Les, Les Green is here. We are recording. Superstars here. Get out. I know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing something. Get out of here now. Um, but yeah, but yeah, um, just was a crazy time, man. It, and it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. And I just want to make sure I make that part clear. It's like this wasn't that long ago. I mean, okay. So let me ask you a question. Uh huh. So if you was in this time, what would you do? Oh, I'd be on the roof. Yeah, okay. I'm not getting okay. my hands that dirty. Okay. I'll have be I'll have a hundred bricks. I'm <laughs> slinging bricks. Because I was like, I want slinging bricks. You, I want next you first because I don't want I don't want to seem like I'm a bitch or something. No, no, I'll no, be no, like, no, no. I fully. I don't think I can go down that. there, bro. Yeah, man. Because you know the police might turn on you. Like, yeah. they might decide to get involved with you. Yeah, they're not going to fight against the white mob, but you, they, you, they might see you getting the best of a white guy. Oh, yeah. Tearing his ribs up, cracking the back yeah, of the head, blah, blah, blah. bang, and then now you're on the ground getting stomped out by a bunch of white people because yeah. now they now they see now they're gonna see you vulnerable yeah. and mob on you, you yeah. know. So now I'm gonna be up on top of the roof throwing down uh, bricks, buckets of piss, you know, really demoralizing <laughs> them and hurting them. That's probably the the mental warfare aspect they might not have got too deep in. I'm throwing buckets of shit down. <laughs> I'm really demoralizing them. Like, oh, I mean, was you saving this up or? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I would assume this has been bubbling for the last couple of months and the word has been spread. So my roof is just filled with 10 buckets of shit. <laughs> like, why is he prepared? I'm hoarding. Why, why, is, he... Been, yeah, why is he have all... Yeah, whose shit is this? It's mine. I've been ready for this moment for months. I've been prepared. And you all laughed at me, but now who's laughing? You you got the bricks chopped to have, so you have more bricks? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. I'm, abundance of bricks, abundance of shit is going down. I'm perched on my balcony, ready to go to war, but from a distance. I'm the sniper. Everybody's out of ammo except you. Yes, I'm the sniper. And you can steal shit. You know, it's scary. You might just let a shit out in a bucket, throw fresh shit. <laughs> so you got an infinite ammo. It's girls, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, about ten blocks south, south, the Johnsons' home on G Street was a was in a racially mixed neighborhood with a view of the Capitol. A Jewish grocer, a Jewish grocer, sold goods on the corner, and an African American lawyer practiced his trade down the street. Ben Johnson was a laborer and a member of the Masons, the ancient secret society whose members believed in science and racial equality. And I'm not gonna get into the Freemasons, which is not the same thing, and the secret society that they are, and the things that they do, but if you know, you know. Anyway, around 11 o'clock on that Monday night, a squad of police officers arrived on the Johnson's uh, home with badges prominently displayed. A couple of detectives went around the house to cover the rear door. With guns drawn, detectives Pat Grant and Harry Wilson forced the door open and entered. Remember, because all this shit's going on, but they heard gunfire and somebody said it came from the second floor apartment. Mm -hmm. So they were like, okay, I know we're not doing anything right now, but now let's do something. I know we see all these people getting hit and shit, beat up, fuck that. We heard gunshots from somewhere, didn't really see it. Mm-hmm. Let's go take take care of that. Yeah. So they busted in. Uh, the 29-year-old Wilson had just made detective seven months earlier, and he was married with an infant child. As the detectives reached the second floor, 
Wilson said to his boss, Pat, I am younger than you. Let me pass in front of you. Which is, you know, and this is all according to, you know, stories that are 100 years old and mm-hmm. whatever. But apparently this dude was very chivalrous and was like, I'm younger than you. So I don't even know. I don't even know what, what that hell? means. Like, I can take a bullet better than you right, or I'm, I should die before you because I don't know what that means. Be my guess. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> Please. Yeah. <laughs> so he said, Pat, I'm younger than you. Let me pass in front of you. Wilson entered the middle bedroom with, a, with another officer and said, there is nobody here. I don't believe. And then Wilson came in and said, let me see. Getting down on his hands and knees to search under the bed. A gunshot flared in the darkness, Mm. striking Wilson in his left breast, which is funny to call something on a man. Uh, Passing through his heart and coming out the right side of his chest. Dead instantly, I'm sure. No, he wasn't. No? No. He didn't die? Mm -mm. Uh, Under the bed, Wilson gasped. Under the bed. Other officers rushed into the room firing wildly. So as soon as they heard one shot and the police got shot, they came in the room and they, it's like 12 cops just shooting into the room. They didn't see where it was from. It was just, it was under the bed. So they, they're in, shooting into a seemingly empty room. That sounds like a, some fucking John Wick or like yeah, Denzel Washington yeah. type scene. Yes, chaos. Except those people are prepared to handle those kind of situations. This was a 52-year-old man and a 17-year-old girl who had 138. But I mean, they don't know where he is. This is true. I guess if they wanted to keep the shit going, they could have bust again. But I'm sure the fear of a bunch of shots ringing out, you drop the gun. You're not like, okay, let me wait till I hear the clicks of the guns. They're Fuck empty. That. Now I come out and I'm shooting Stop at them it. now. Bow, bow. Just let them loose. <laughs> out of shit. You gotta stop watching John. Sure. Yeah, you gotta stop watching John Wick, man. <laughs> the world doesn't That'd work be like perfect. this. <laughs> uh, they're empty. Yep. Huh, jump out, <laughs> slow motion, shoot them in the foot. Yeah. So I'm guessing, well, we better go to certain number. Yes. Um, officers rushed in, started shooting. A woman screamed. More officers arrived with torches, which are, it's 1919. It might actually be torches. I don't know if they had flashlights yet. So they might have actually had like, a stick with like cloth that's in yeah. kerosene on it. it. It it could possibly be. I don't for know. light. They use that for light. For light. Okay. I don't know if they had flashlights in 1919. If I'm wrong, I'll do corrections next week. Somebody let me know when was the flashlight invented. But more officers came with some kind of light supply to light the way. And um, there was a woman screaming. Oh. Um, they found Carrie Johnson crouched in the corner with a bullet wound in her thigh. Mm. Next to her lay a blue steel revolver. Three chambers empty. Ben empty. Johnson... Yeah, because she, you know, she shot the cop, but then they might have actually shot two bullets out the window. It's possible. Oh, okay. I thought somebody shot from under the bed. Yeah, that's yeah. But two chambers were empty from the gun. From her, or three from okay. her from her revolver. Oh, okay. So I think the cop got shot once, but then there's still two bullets are empty. They also might not have had enough bullets to fill the gun up. It's all kind of possibilities. They don't know where the shot, shots came from. There are reports that gun, the gunshots came from across the street. There are no guaranteed uh you know proven fact that uh Carrie Johnson or her dad shot out of the window and that's why the police came to this building. Mm-hmm. Somebody said it. Yeah. Somebody said the shots came from the second floor and that's why they came into the situation. Um so yeah, so Carrie Johnson was shot in the thigh um and she was in the corner and next to her lay a blue steel revolver like I said um with three chambers empty. Ben Johnson emerged from under the bed with a bullet wound in his shoulder. Mm. So Ben Johnson was under the bed. And he was protecting his daughter. How did he get shot? They came in the room and... They, you. How do you not get shot when 12 cops burst into a room and they're all just shooting He was wild? under the bed, though. 
Well, that's where the, the guy yelled, the cop that got shot yelled under the bed. Oh, So they okay. definitely shot so at the shot. bed. <laughs> at right. the very least, they shot at the bed, but he they shot everywhere. He shouldn't even been able to say under the bed. I'm, I'm adrenaline, surprised still living. You know, adrenaline's going. These bullets aren't, it's not 2019, it's 1919. Okay. See, might not you sweat. said heart, so I was like, he has to be dead. Yeah, well, no. Dang, okay, well, yeah. never mind. Uh, the burst of gunshots in the dark had stilled the eagerness of the white men. Several policemen carried Wilson out and laid him in a, in a waiting patrol car that sped off. So um, that's, the, that's the cop that got shot. Um, that, and, and they put him in a patrol car that sped off, only to slam into a passing fire truck on Pennsylvania Avenue. Wow. So uh, this, guy got, this cop got shot. They put him in a car. Car speeds off to go to the hospital. They hit a fire truck. The wounded... Sorry. The wounded officer was put into another car, wow. but at the hospital, Wilson was declared dead on arrival. Okay. Ben and Carrie Johnson, bloodied but alive, were taken to the city jail. Hmm. Both Johnsons were charged with murder. They took him to the jail? Yeah. Surprisingly. Yeah, I'm, yeah they, I'm surprised they made it. <laughs> That's what I mean. I'm, sure, I'm surprised they didn't take him to an alley and just shoot him. That's crazy. Yeah. That's nuts. So they should be thankful for that. So this kind of has a silver line. I'll get to it. Or, or kind of happy ending, kind of. Except that's still 1919 and Jim Crow is applied by Woodrow Wilson and terrible things happen for another fucking 50 years. But this story kind of has a happy ending. Both Johnsons were charged with murder. Charges were subsequently dropped against Ben Johnson, but Kerry Johnson's first trial resulted in a conviction for manslaughter. A second trial was granted and prosecutors dropped all charges after the new judge ruled that the, that evidence could be entered that the young woman was in terror for her life. Johnson was a hero to many in the black community, along with the others who fought against the attacks by white rioters. So keep in mind, while I'm talking about this guy, this cop Wilson who got shot and all these cops busting into this room, mm -hmm. while this is happening with this 52-year-old man and his daughter, there is race wars all over the streets. Yeah. They don't, this, they, these people have decided to lock themselves in the house. They haven't gone out to fight. They lock themselves in the house and have a gun for protection. And then people burst into their uh, apartment you know, screaming and look, you know, and they're terrified. So they, they just thought they had to defend themselves. They did exactly what they should do. A hundred percent. And that worked in their favor. Somehow they got the only judge that wasn't like, this black person shot a white man? Yeah. Kill them. He was like, well, I mean, it was pretty crazy that night, you know, and they were scared for their lives and they defended themselves. Yeah. So charges dropped. Um, so Harry Wilson is remembered in the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial in in Judiciary Square, a few blocks from where he was shot in July 1919. The memory of Kerry Johnson, however, is vanishingly faint. A 1922 city director indicates that she had a job as a janitor. In 1930, her name did not appear in the census. People believe she may have gotten married and moved away or died. Ben Johnson was also no longer listed. The row house on G Street was demolished in 19 in the 1960s to make way for the construction of Interstate 395. Wow. Today on the spot of number tw of number 220 where Ben and Carrie Johnson stood their ground is an office complex that promises its tenants stunning views of the nearby US Capitol. So they tore down that building. Which I I mean that should be a monument to me. I mean that's Yeah. That whole if you go to like we went to Cork and Cork was in the middle, they've been in the middle of this Protestants versus Catholic war for like 100 years. Mm -hmm. And you can go on tours and they have buildings that are 400 years old. They're just houses. 
They're like, yeah, man, somebody was murdered here. Uh, the Protestant Catholic, a, a car bombing happened here. Hmm. But here in the United States, even though we haven't been around that long, it's so everything has a turnover. Like, how was that? How's that neighborhood not preserved? And there's tours like there was a race war. Yeah. And fucking so the whole block down the street from anymore. Washington D.C. Probably not. It's probably new condos up. This, this, this story is not a very well known story. Right. The red, the fucking. Red Summer isn't a fucking movie or some documentary that is well-known. This isn't a well-known story by people that live in D.C. right now. Because a lot of people that live in D.C. are transplants. There's a lot of black people that live in D.C. that probably... My great-grandmother uh, went through that. My mm-hmm. great-grandfather was killed during the Red the red Summer. But a lot of the people like that are buying the new condos and all this kind of stuff in D.C., they're transplants from somewhere else looking to get a job in politics. They don't know what the Red Summer is. Mm-hmm. So... The things that are American history are being destroyed and not talked about and glossed over and fucking just dismissed. And that house that where that that event took place was demolished, and now it's just some office buildings there that are like you can get rent this for three three thousand dollars a month, and it has a great view of the fucking Washington Monument. So whatever happened there doesn't matter anymore. It's just basically, hmm. you know, they don't they don't. I didn't hear about the Red Summer in fucking American history class in high school. No. Or the fucking, fucking uh, Black Wall Street bombings. I, there's a bunch of stuff that that's history, American history that I've never heard of until I was an adult and had to go look it up on my own. But you know that's the way it is. You know, people, the victors write the history books. So whoever the people that bombed Black Wall Street, quote unquote, who won and destroyed all those people's lives, they get to tell the story. They can tell the story how they want to tell the story. <laughs> so it is what it is, man. Yep. Um, Big bank, big bank, take little bank, like Francis. You know? Yeah. Uh, so that was my story of Carrie Johnson in the Red Summer of 1919. And um, any questions, Fran? How did you find that story? Um, that's a good question. Um, let's see. I honestly don't know. I kind of stumbled across it. Hmm. You know. Um, I think I was. Honestly, I, I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how. Sometimes I just uh, Google random things and just go. And now, you ever been in just page six of, of something you Googled? No, maybe that's what I should do. Yeah, just go deep. I go deep, man. I just keep going. You know, I might type, I might look up something broad, like, you know, African-American mass murders. And, you yeah. know, I go and down just, about six six rows. And yeah, I'll, no, I'll, I'll just go me. through. I'm on page, try 50, next I'm on page 12 yeah. of Google. Because you bought this story from like... 18 something I was like Jesus <laughs> yeah I go yeah. it was like what's his name like King what was his name oh uh, the, 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 the the yeah I know you're talking about the black guy got hung no 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 no. no. the Prince guy he like Prince oh pr- oh yeah 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 uh, yeah the um, I can't remember his uh, name Prince uh, shit he was fly it was something yeah the know. he had a cult yeah yeah the mm, the cult was called it the mm. it was like Tupac or so, it was no, something no he looked like Tupac yeah yeah he, liked yeah, he Tupac. looked like Tupac it was the um can't remember his name. Something cult. The oh, that's gonna bother me. Because mm, it's some. It's some. It wasn't nothing it's difficult. Name. It's got his name in it. It's got his name in it. It's his name. Damn, I can't think of it right now. But I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Again, that was one thing I looked up cults, and just was deep, deep looking through cults. Yeah, I can't remember the name of that right now. Well, I'll probably blurt it out during your story or something like okay. that. Um, it'll come to me at some point. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, it's Fran's turn to tell you some fucked up shit. So stick around. And we are back. It was the Thug Cult. Yep. That we, we figured it out. It was the Thug Cult, Thug Barem. I would have had it was like 
it, it was bothering me like how if you have a sneeze, mm-hmm. not remembering that it was just it was nagging me not yeah. remembering that. And it was the thug thug cult thug barim. He looked like Tupac Shakur. Yeah. I don't think we were we were gonna be able to go to the next segment if no I wouldn't have been able to I wouldn't have been able to let you finish the story if I wouldn't have been able to yeah. have the answer to that question that's how I it am. really was bothering me <laughs> uh, anyway we figured it out friend yep. the floor is yours please take it away all right so um did you uh do you hack into my phone or at all I did not no. okay so my um and if you did if I did you wouldn't know yeah true mm-hmm. so my affirm I mean my murder this week is called the Red Head Murders ooh I just when you said red I was like wait. I was like, hold up. Then you said something. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. you thought I said, yeah. Well, that only, that's only happened once. I'm surprised. That's only happened once where we came and brought the same story. Yeah. I don't know if we put that episode out. We did, I think. I don't know. Maybe. And then we just kind of just, we just, just talked with... about it together. <laughs> that was nuts. <laughs> <laughs> that was nuts. Yeah, one and only time. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah knock on yep. wood. I, you know. So, the redhead murders refers to a series of, a series of unsolved homicides of red-headed women between October 1978 and the 1980s. Mm. Also, I'm reading a story from Wiki. They all they have their re- references and sources there, so okay. I'm not going to sit here and read all these. Gotcha, gotcha. But you got it from, Wiki, got yes, from Wikipedia. Yes, got it from Wikipedia. Yep. So, p- believed to have been committed by an unidentified male serial killer. The murders believed to be related um, to be related have occurred in states including Tennessee, Arkansas, Kentucky, Mississippi, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. Mm, strong, the, strong no-fly list. On yes. that. A lot of no-fly. <laughs> a lot of no-flies on that list. The murders may have continued until 1992. The victims, many, the victims, many of whom have never been identified, mm. were usually women with reddish hair whose bodies were abandoned along major highways in the United States. Officials believe that the women were likely hitchhiking or may have engaged in prostitution. The hitchhiking. I, we hear that. It's just. Time, man. But my argument to that is while Uber is a little bit more complicated yeah. and you have to, you know, sign up, people mm-hmm. are still getting hurt in Uber. So mm-hmm. Uber is essentially just a, like just future hitchhiking. It It's still hitchhiking, basically. Yeah. You know, it's might a little more. Might, look, might be a little more dangerous. Definitely. Because you are not in defense mode at all. No. Once he at, like least, I, a at least child lock or something. As a, as a man, I'm not. I feel like maybe women go in and like, Brian, are you Brian? Right. I don't. I've never asked that. I've never. I'm like, it says yeah. a black Honda Civic is pulling up. Here's a black Honda Civic. I don't get in. I'm like, are you Cheryl? Mm-hmm. I don't care. You know, and maybe I should, but I feel like most women maybe are on guard even in an Uber. Yeah. But when you're hitchhiking, you might, you might go. Well, I've heard stories, so I have pepper spray on me. I have a knife in my fist. It just in case they try something. But in an Uber, you get in in the Uber, you're texting, you sit down, you got headphones on. Yeah. Your guard is completely down. Yep. And sometimes you might not even realize, like, oh, we're not going a direction to my house. And now yep. the doors are locked, like you said, child locks on the yep. inside. Your guard has been down so long, and now you're halfway to wherever they're taking yeah. you to do some fucked up shit. Like, you sitting there, and then you know your ride's like 10, 15 minutes, and then yeah, like 25 been, minutes. Yeah, like I've been in the car for a while. Yeah, that's a scary feeling. Yeah. So on February 13th, 1983... The naked body of white female found alongside Route 250 near Littleton and Wetzel County, West Virginia. A pair of senior citizens reported the body, which they originally had thought was a, dis- a display mannequin. Mm. The body had been displayed at the area recently as snow was on the ground, but not on the body. Oh. Police said that the tire tracks and footprints nearby indicated that she was likely transported to the site after death mm. from another location. Yeah. 
The examination concluded she had died about two days before and was not a victim of sexual assault. Her cause of death was undetermined. Her hair was auburn color. By 1985, she was linked possibly to another red-headed woman found found as homicide victims whose deaths seemed to be related. Mm. With an estimated age between 35 and 45, this victim appeared to have been an older, older than the medium for the other women grouped as victims of the serial killer. Her height was estimated at 5, five feet 6 inches and weight of 135 pounds. Her eyes were presumed to be brown, although post-mortem changes may have affected eye color. Mm. She had two scars, one typical of a C-section, and another one on her index finger. The woman's legs and underarms were shaven, indicating an attention to grooming not characteristic of a transient or hitchhiker. Witnesses described seeing a middle-aged white male, about 5 feet 10 inches, and weighing 185 to 200 pounds, how do you figure that shit out just by uh, eyeballing I don't, I don't, it? Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't get paid to know that type of shit. You, that's a talent. Yeah. Um, so they thought they found him near the area that, where the body was found. The victim may have been seen alive in Wheeling, West Virginia, as an employee or a customer at a bar. West Virginia authorities, authorities are skeptical of whether this victim is related to other victims in the redhead murders. Because of the age discrepancy and stuff like that. The hair color, the age, the height. Oh, because it was like not red. It was kind of red. Yeah. Because Auburn isn't exactly. It's like, what is it? Like uh, like a brown. Like a darkish. Yeah, like a a reddish brown. Yeah. So on September 16th, 1984, the body of a a woman later identified as 20-year-old Lisa Nichols, who also used the last name of Jarvis. I think Jarvis is her. um, Her husband? Yeah. Um, she was found alongside Interstate 40 near West Memphis, Arkansas. She was wearing only a sweater. She was found to have been a resident of West Virginia. Authorities were not able to identify and contact her family members for some time, indicating that Nichols was estranged, estranged from them. She was identified for nearly a year, not until June 1985, nine months after she was strangled, she was identified through fingerprints. Mm. Nichols is believed to have been a victim in what are known as the redhead murders. Common characteristics characteristics are her hair color, reddish or strawberry blonde, and being found along a highway. She was identified by a couple from Florida who had allowed her to stay with them for a period of time. Mm. Nichols may have been murdered after, after leaving a truck stop along the highway and may have attempted to hitchhike. A lot of hitchhiking going on. Yeah, also, I'm really, these are some of the ones where I'm, I'm really fascinated by. Any kind of um, people that are all connected by characteristic, yeah. there's a lot of psychology in that where yeah. it's like maybe maybe a woman made this person feel yep. impotent who had red hair or their mother had yep. red hair or it's something. That's it's that's wild, man, yeah. just to like, just to think about just, you just hate that person and it's so like, you see that, that person could have like just, bla- just dyed her hair blonde. Red, obviously, all of them did, yeah. but you know what I mean. It just a, that that little bit of crazy. A difference. Them just the only thing they did was have red hair, and we're in a place where this guy was it was able to see them. Yep. So on January first, nineteen eighty five, a bounded a bound body of woman of a woman was found near Gillette, Tennessee, in Campbell County, down an embankment off the southbound side of Interstate seventy five. The body was in an advanced state of decomposition. 
The victim was estimated to have been killed by strangulation and to have been dead 72 hours. She was Caucasian and had shoulder-length curly red hair. Her age was estimated to be between 17 and 25, but possibly as old as 30. The victim was found clothed in a tan pullover, a shirt and jeans. Her eyes were green. The young woman had freckles over her body and various scars. She was 10 to 12 weeks pregnant when she died. She had partial upper denture holding two false teeth. It is believed that she was between 5 feet 1 and 5 feet 4 inches. When she died and... Yeah, she was 5 foot 1 and 5 feet 4 inches when she died and was approximately 110, 115 pounds. On September 6, 2018, the Shelby County Sheriff's Office announced that the victim had been identified by fingerprints as Tina Marie McKinney. So this was... What's that, 1985 to 2018? Yeah. I mean, that's, all, that's, that's 30 geez. plus. That's 30 plus, yeah. So they finally identified her by fingerprints. Um, Tina Marie McKinney Farmer... Of Indiana. She was 21 at the time of her death and was last seen in Indianapolis, Indiana, accompanied by a trucker said to be headed to Kentucky. Mm. Farmer had one daughter. It makes sense that it would be a trucker. Yeah. All this hitchhiking and stuff. Farmer had one daughter prior to disappearing in 1984. She was reported missing by her family at the time, yet authorities in Indiana did not enter her into the national database. The state did not have a law common to many other states requiring law enforcement to enter identified victims into the database. On April 3rd, 1985, a skeletonized partial remains of a young girl were discovered about 200 yards of Big Wheel Gap Road, four miles southwest of... Is it Jaleco? I don't know what that is. Jaleco, Tennessee, (laughs) in Campbell County. I've never been there. (laughs) near, Near a strip mine. She was believed to have been dead between one and four years. Her age was estimated between 9 and 15, and she oh, was wow. found by a passerby. Cause of, a cause of death is undetermined, which does not rule out homicide. 32 bones, including her skull, were recovered from the scene. Her skull was complete enough to permit a facial construction attempt. A necklace and bracelet made of plastic buttons were found nearby, as well as a pair of size 15 boots and a few, scra- a few scraps of clothing. Size 15 boots. Size 5, sorry. Oh. <laughs> what? Yeah, size 5 boots. Oh, okay, cool. All right, that makes more sense. <laughs> these, <laughs> these items may or may not belong to her. Her hair and eye color are unknown. Her age range is below the medium for the other victims, but the circumstances of her death may connect her to them. Yeah, so she just had, that's just another redhead person? Because like 9 to 15, that doesn't sound like... Again, that's not yeah, the but they don't range. they don't know though. The hair and eye color is unknown. Oh, yeah. okay, okay, no. okay. Recent recent forensic analysis of the victim's remains indicated um, she was not native to the to the area where she was discovered. The tests showed she was likely born in Florida or Central Texas and had later lived in Midwest Rocky Mountain State, the Southwest or Pacific Coast. How did they guess that? I don't know. Was she tan? What he found, he found bones. This was all bones. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> On March 31st, 1985, the skeletonized body of red-haired female was found in Pleasant View. So now, maybe they said, I can't remember. But the last one was, they found bones, but they didn't know the eye color. And 
the hair color. Yeah. But this one they found bones, but they didn't know the hair color. So I don't know. Um, so they found another body of a red-haired female was found in Pleasant View, Cheatham County, Tennessee. She was believed to have died three to five months before due to an unknown cause. However, her case is possibly linked to the redhead murders because her remains were found at the state, at the side of Interstate 24 between mile, mile markers 29 and 30. Mm. Unlike some of the other victims, she was wearing clothes. She was wearing clothing, a shirt, sweater, pants, and underwear. She was white, between five, five feet and five foot two inches, tall with an an an, an, an nest. <laughs> in estimatable weight. Oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> An examination of her teeth showed that the victim had some evidence of crowding and overlapping in her mouth. Oh, yeah. This woman was believed to be between ages of 31 and 40 at the time of her death. That's closer to the other lady. Yeah. Now, what do you think about um the whole the shit they use as far as reconstruction of a power person may look 30 years from I mean, if they're doing it in the 80s, I probably, now looking as a person that's 20, in 2019, I probably would have some some skepticism, but I mean, 2019, the shit is crazy, so if, it, if, if it's 2018, 2019, like if you're saying that they did this recently, yeah, I would mm-hmm. say it's possible. I've seen some pretty crazy um, photos. I did a story about, um, I think it was called The Boy in the Box. It was a young boy that they, they found the remains of. And they the be- boy in the box. They believe. I think he, I saw. What was what was that? You remember? I read the. I mean, I read the story online, and I told this. I, that was one of my stories. And um, they think he got killed at like a Catholic church. Oh and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all this kind of stuff. They reconstructed his. Like there, there's a picture of what they think he looked like. But when they found him, he was just skeletons in a box. That's what I mean. I wish we can. But they reconstructed him. Look like he had hair and a face and what he looked like. And I just want to know how accurate it is. I wish we. Well, can we'll never out know. I know. <laughs> what I'm saying, like, yeah. I wish we can figure out how. The only way to it know is. is if they reconstruct it and somebody identify right the kid, and somebody has a photo of the kid, and see how close it is. I'm sure it's not an exact, an exact match, but that's the only way you would know is if somebody is identified using that technology. And that person has a photo. Maybe they tried it already. Maybe they, they might have. They took from like a baby or something. These might be things. Yeah. And then waited. These might be things that have that's already crazy. been figured out. That's. But it's pretty incredible if, 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 it, if it, you know, if it's accurate. That's wild. Um, so on April 1st, 1985, the body of a woman was found in a white Admiral refrigerator. Mm. Admiral is, I did look at it. I was like, what the hell is that? It's, it's like a just, brand. It's a brand from uh, Whirlpool or something. Mm. Um. So a body was found in a white admiral refrigerator in Gray, Knox County, Kentucky. Don't know where that is. In, t- in Kentucky somewhere. Alongside Route 25. Her death was suff- her death was by suffocation. The victim had been dead for a few days and was nude except for two distinctive necklace pendants. One of one of a heart and the other one of a gold-colored eagle. The two pa- two pairs of socks, one white and the other white with green and yellow stripes. There were reports that the victim may have been soliciting soliciting a ride to North Carolina over CB radio. Mm. Yeah, um, CB radio. That's is that what truckers use? Yeah. Okay. All right. But then you could also, at the time, um, like in the seventies and probably maybe sixties, seventies, eighties, people would have CB radios like in their house. Just and fucking just, around, just fucking around, talks like like how we had like a party line. Hmm. That was what we had was like on the phone. That was them. 
and then you learn all the all the trucker speak like what's your 20 and what breaker breaker and all these kind of sl- uh cb radio yeah all that kind of shit they actually that's why that show stranger things is so good man they really find a way of making you feel the nostalgia even if you weren't in it mm. and the kid dustin was talking to his long distance girlfriend on a cb radio but they don't drop trucks their kids but hmm. it was a thing you know people had cb radios in their house that's crazy and would just fuck around like you know like chat line so 500 people attended the Jane Doe victim's funeral, which was televised. Wow, the wow. case was a local sensation in Gray, as the town was a quiet and sleepy place where little out of the ordinary usually happened. That's how shit get fucking get swept under the rug or some shit. Or just some shit may happen, but it's like, then that time nobody really knows because it don't, it don't get spread like that. Because yeah. you just hear people that goes, a lot of stuff don't happen here. Yeah. Send somebody under the radar, fucking taking people out, low key. It's quiet town, all yeah. that kind of stuff. That's why that's that whole narrative, for the most part, is starting to die down because the internet exists. So yeah, there is no quiet. Everything, like, everything you yep. can find out. I can look Google what's going on in Knoxville, Tennessee, or whatever Knox County, Kentucky, right now, yep. I, and I'll know who was murdered there recently, uh, robberies or whatever. I yeah. know everything that's going on yep. there. So the refrigerator had a decal of words "Superwoman" on the front. Distinguishing features of the body included a number of moles. One on the right side of her neck, near one ankle, and below each breast. A yellow stain upper and a scar and other marks on, on her abdomen, indicating that she had she had a born child. See, is this see cause that's three times now you mentioned a C section. Yeah. Twelve weeks pregnant. Yep. This woman's pregnant, like or she you said it she had been pregnant, would you say, just now? Indicating that she had born a child. Okay. Yeah. Well, but, I, I mean, I guess, you know, I, every most women, most women are capable of having children, so yeah. I guess that's well, not One of them were pregnant. Yeah. One, one was had pregnant, a one had a C-section. Yeah. This mm-hmm. one had given birth to a child at some yeah. point. I don't know. That Could might be. not be a connecting. I don't know. Might be nothing. Yeah. Her eyes were light brown. Her hair was red and nearly nearly a foot long, which fit the pattern of the redhead murders. After autop- after the autopsy, this victim was determined to be between 24 and 35 years old. Okay. The age is, is is about the same. Yeah. Appro- and approximately four feet, four foot nine, and oh. four foot eleven. So she was really short. Yeah. Um. It is also possible that she owned a pair of boots found near the refrigerator. Several missing persons have been eliminated as a possible match for the victim. After the case publicized in January 2013, the police received some tips, but it is unknown if if they became solid leads. It's it's crazy. I mean, you've done stories like this where it goes, this this murder happened in the 80s or the 70s. Uh-huh. And then it, it resurfaces in 2013 or whatever. Yeah. And then it's like, we we still, y'all still getting tips? People don't give up, man. That is, that's, that's wild. Some of this stuff really, I mean, imagine being a person, one, a, a, a detective who worked the case and it never got solved. You're not going to let that go. Or you were, you were a person who was on the search team. Mm-hmm. These are the kind of people that keep the stories going and keep the talk going and keep looking for clues and keep tips coming and all, and, and keeping the story alive for a person that might have been in the neighborhood that night and they go, oh, I never heard about this, but I did see a guy that had a car that was blue. Yeah. And that one little thing, because it was kept alive all these years and got finally got to the person who didn't know they were a crucial witness to the thing. Mm-hmm. They just thought they saw a guy with a scar one night and just was like, whatever. Yeah. And that was the killer. That's why. So I, stories like that, are, yeah, like unsolved or cold cases that get solved are always incredible to me. Mm-hmm. The whole thing of how that fucking the golden, uh, what was that, the golden 
was it the Golden State Killer, the the guy that got caught when he's like eighty years old? Oh yeah. I mean that's crazy that you keep something going that long and finally find a person, finally get that one clue that puts the whole thing together and you find your man. Yep. So on October on October first, twenty eighteen, the Knox County Sheriff's Office announced this woman had been posit had been positively identified as Epsi Regina Black P- Pilgrim. Oh. Um, of Western North Carolina, a DNA match was made between her and between her and her grown daughter who said her mother disappeared when the girl was six when the girl was six weeks old oh wow yeah I mean for you being a child from that long ago and then you go I guess they went you know let's DNA test you yeah it's like how did I I, I was trying to figure out when I read this I was trying to figure out how do you, you how do they find you? Like, how does that even... Well, if they have a suspicion, what what happened was they had a suspicion that they had identified who this woman was. So then if they figure out her name, then they look in the database to see if she has any relatives. You want to look for the closest relative to do a DNA test because they're just going off a of suspicion. They, you know, did all the research, found out who was maybe doing sex work or, or hitchhiking or whatever in that neighbor in that area who's gone missing in the 70s or 80s or whatever. And they go, well, maybe it was this woman that we keep hearing about. And then you look up Blackwell Pilgrim or whatever in the database. And if somebody, whoever pops up, you want it to be a a daughter or a son. But if it's a cousin, whoever, you're going to do a DNA test because the DNA will be close. And fortunately for them, they found a woman. They had to go, hey, hello, how are you doing? Um, We heard that your mother disappeared when you were young. Yes. And would you mind we we have a body that we'd like is unidentified can we do a, a oh, dna okay. test and they swab her and if it's confirmed then boom that's who your we our suspicions were right that was that woman unless they come up with like unidentified so they woman. find the they find they find like a list of who they think the woman the the, the, the person deceased is person is oh, okay then and they then they go. find next to ken oh okay so that means you just have to go down the list of people yeah i mean oh, so okay. i'm sure there was somebody yeah. that got swabbed and was like Oh no, your match. mom's still missing. Right. I don't. We don't know. It's not her though. That's horrible. That's, yeah, that's horrible real horrible thing. to bring up those scars again. Yeah, but you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta go down the list. So on April 14, nineteen eighty-five, the body of a young white female found in Greensville, Green County, Tennessee. So Tennessee again. Mm-hmm. She was determined to have been been killed three to six weeks before by a severe blunt force trauma and possibly a stab wound. Her body was in an advanced state of decomposition. The police were able to obtain her fingerprints as well as DNA and dental information. She had been approximately six six to eight weeks pregnant okay. shortly before she died, but had a miscarriage before death. She was estimated to be 14 to 20 years old, possibly as old as 25, was approximately 5, five foot 4 inches to 5 foot 6 inches, um, with a weight to 130 to 140. She had a slight overbite and had some fillings in her teeth, showing that she had dental care in life you know what this sounds like to me and this, again this is all we do is speculate on this podcast because this is this this pregnancy thing keeps coming up this sounds like whoever this per- is this an unsolved case yeah mm-hmm. this sounds like whoever this person was maybe was a hitchhiker as himself or a truck driver mm-hmm. came through these towns impregnated women left mm. went on did his thing and when he found out that they were pregnant with his kid killed them possibly and in the case of the one woman she happened to get give birth to his kid hmm. and at six weeks old 
she yeah. she disappeared. So it's not like she had uh, she just happened to have a ten year old kid or something. She had a newborn child and disappeared six weeks old. You know, um, that's my that's my guess because it's come up too many times yeah. now where it just doesn't sound like a coincidence. Also, we had a thing for women with red hair. Yes. So they, they there's, a, there's a sexual there's a sexual um, aspect there. None of them were raped, so maybe he had consensual, consensual sex with all these women at some mm-hmm. point. Comes back around, they're pregnant, and he lures them in the sense of false security. Oh, it's a, oh that's great. You're gonna have my kid or whatever, and then he kills these women because yeah. he doesn't want to have a kid or something. That's my I'm just speculating, but that pregnancy thing keeps coming up and it, it's yeah. bothering me. And they all been well, most of them were found on. Side of interstate, yeah, on side of the road, and one of them was found in the refrigerator. Which that one is, it's like wanted to hide hers. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's that's weird. That's out of out of character, but still throwing them away. Yeah. Same know, age, so. same weight, except for the four foot one, and same height. Yeah, same yeah. height and weight. So and hair color. Yeah. So he yeah, has that's a, why he has a type. Yeah, he has a type. Yeah, you know, hmm. but he's not. None of these women, at least. For the most part, I'm hearing they, none of them were sexually. There was no evidence of sexual assault. No. So that's no. why I'm like, this might have been a, a, a handsome five ten, one eighty five dude had sex with these women who were his type. Finds out they're pregnant when he comes back in town because he leaves town a lot. You know, tells them, okay, we're gonna leave town. I'm gonna get you out of here. I'm gonna come, come back. Yeah, they probably lead like you know these women sound like they were having pretty. None of them sound like he stole them from. You know, they were at college or living some wealthy life. They right. seemed like they were hitchhikers or whatever. And he tells them, you know, all right, we're, we're going to get out of here. You and the kid, and we're gonna, you're going to have my kid, and life's going to be great. And he fucking pulls his truck over and kills him, side of the, leaves him on the side of the road. Yeah. That's my uh, theory. It's a good one, though. Yeah, so um, her fingernails had pink polish be- because she had light. Her fingernails had pink polish mm-hmm. because she had light brown to blonde hair with red highlights. Her case was thought to be a possible related to the redhead murders. Mm. She just had red highlights in her mm, Okay. Authorities hoped in late April 1985 that they would identify her body through fingerprints, but were unsuccessful. Mm. Six missing women were ruled out as possibility as possible identities of the victim. She was not identified until November 2018. Damn. When officials announced that the victim was New Hampshire's native Elizabeth Lamote. She was 17 at the time of her death. Lamote had disappeared on April 6, 1984. She was identified through a DNA, a DNA match from a DNA profile that was obtained from Lamote's family by New Hampshire police in 2017. She had been staying at a group home in Manchester, New Hampshire, and never returned to her, and never returned to her family after after gaining um, furlough. 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 It's like government assistance. Um. Yeah. So Lamote's family was initially asked for a DNA profile to compare to the adult victims of the Bear Brook murders. So I'm guessing they did what we just talked about yeah. earlier. Just went to a list of people. Mm-hmm. Um. So the Bear Brook murders was another uh Unsolved. series of murders that went happened with some females. Yep. An identified girlfriend. So listen to this. And a and a unidentified girlfriend of the suspect known by the alias of Robert Evans, no relation, was known by the same first name of Elizabeth. Robert Evans was later revealed to be the serial killer, Terry Peter Rosmerson. So they thought this dude had something to do. So his his alias was Bob Evans? Yeah. (laughs) So this dude, 
Uh, great, great sausage. Yeah. Come on, really? <laughs> great sausage. So this dude, this dude that went by Robert Evans was a guy that he was a serial killer that went by a whole bunch of aliases. Yeah. That was his story. He went by all these aliases, different names. Right. When when he went on his series of killings. So it is believed that most of the victims remain unidentified due to the, due to being estranged or not close with existing family members. Yeah. Street they, kids. Yep. They also may not have been native to the states in which they were found. Mm-hmm. The, in 1985, no long, not long after the Greene County victims was dead, the state of Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Arkansas, and Mississippi requested the FBI for assistance with this case. There were uncons- there were inconsistencies among some of the victims and characteristics of the crime scenes, and some were found with and without clothing, and some had sexual encounter before their murders. Mm. During the conference, it was stated that four victims found in Texas. And a victim found in 1981 in Ohio, nicknamed the Buckskin Girl, who was later identified as Marcia King. Buckskin Girl, the Buckskin Girl, she was a um, beautiful girl. I read that story. A beautiful girl that got murdered, but she was found with a jacket that was buckskin. That's why they call it. Oh wow! Okay. Um, Were ruled out in 1985 as a possible victim in the Redhead Murders. A possible suspect emerged in, in the mid-1980s when a 37-year-old trucker attacked and attempted to, to strangle a woman with reddish hair. Mm. But he was later dismissed in this multiple in this multiple case. Wow. Could have been a guy. Um, he had left the victim lying near a highway presuming she was dead. I mean, how do you... <laughs> wow. How do you let this dude go? That's crazy. They really didn't apply pressure on that one. That's nuts. That's possibly the guy. Yeah. Um, another suspect... So the woman survived? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, that'd be interesting. So she was dead. I'd be interested to hear her story. On the side of a highway yeah. with red hair. That's nuts. Oh, no. They brought him in and they just... They brought they, him... They, they, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, I, hey, but you know what that sounds like, though? It sounds like the woman would have had to corroborate with that and say, you know, we got into a fight or whatever, but I don't want to press charges or, or something, you know? And that would imply that they had a relationship right so that doesn't that doesn't negate my theory you know that's crazy mm. so another suspect who was a 32 year old trucker I mean these are both those guys were truckers yeah I mean that um, makes sense I mean you're going to Texas Tennessee yeah. coming back around and in, T- in Tennessee again this is a person that's tra- traveling a route yep. doing a job you know another suspect who was 32 year old trucker in Pennsylvania was questioned after kidnapping and raping a young woman in the state of Indiana she managed to escape before more injury. The suspect was also dismissed from the investigation after being questioned by Tennessee police. Well, I hope he was at least convicted of the rape of the one. I don't know. Dismisses just sounds so like, oh, well, it's never mind. Here you yeah. go. In 2018, students enrolled in a sociology class at Elizabeth Elizabethton High School studied the case with the aid of their instructor. What school is this? I don't know, some kind of that sounds cool, crime school. Shit. It might have been like a forensic psychology class or something like that, you know? The class coined the name Bible Belt Strangler. Oh. The class developed the information from an FBI profiler. They described the subject as a white male born between 1936 and 1962, between ages 23 and 49, which is a huge gap, yeah. and 1985, who was likely a commercial truck trucker frequent, mm-hmm. frequenting Interstate 40, they estimated his height and weight to be 5'9 to 6'2 and 180 to 270 pounds, respectively. 
his work was likely based in or near the city of Knoxville, Tennessee. And that's just a... That could possibly be the victim. Yeah. His height and shit. But this went, un, this went unsolved. I mean, it's likely that that person was born in 1932. They probably aren't alive anymore. Yeah. But this dude's a trucker and he got away. I'm sure he's a trucker. Yeah. Um, and he has some type of relationship with these women. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, feel like I, it, I, I, I don't want to say for sure. Cause yeah. I mean, but, but it sounds like In it. those times, it's been... You read a whole bunch of stories where truckers and it's just like... They always want to go. So it's like you don't even... Yeah, they can. They, they're gone. You you don't know who you're looking for. Yeah. Other than the fact the fact that they're all being left on the side of the highway. Yeah. Which is the preferred route of truck drivers. Yeah. Wide open and you know get you from point A to point B fast. So. They had a guy that was a truck driver. Yeah. And <laughs> and assaulted a woman who had red hair. Yeah. And left her because she thought she was dead. He thought she was dead on. Left her on the side of the road. And they're like, uh, well, maybe not him. So that's yeah, that's the red the redhead murders. I just wow. thought um, I did that because um, just I mean these were young beautiful women. Yeah, but uh, that's that's just rough though. A lot of them like again, and it was just a lot of them. They were all had red hair. Mm-hmm. They either were pregnant or had a child shortly. Yeah, but after, after they were dead, so yeah. after they were killed, so yeah, I just thought shortly that, that before. Yeah, yeah, shortly before. Yep. So um. I just thought I'd do that, but yeah, that was the redhead murders. Yeah, that's interesting, man. That pregnancy thing kept coming up so many times. I'm like, that, that has to be there. There, there is possibly some kind of connection. Yeah, it's just too many times to, for it to just be a coincidence. Yeah, and they know. all they all did. Um, they did do the facial reconstruction on on all of them, but one of the victims. How they would look if they were still alive today. Uh huh. And um. I just, I just want to know how accurate. I just I can't get over when you see because oh, yeah. you see it on you see it on newspapers now yeah. that they have a, somebody was a report of somebody went missing uh-huh. and they didn't have their picture of them a child and then and how they, they look, look like an adult. It's like that's crazy. Yeah, that is nuts. Technology's nuts, man. That was interesting, man. I, I like that one. Um, yeah. Again, um, there's no there's no riddle. Uh, it's summertime. It's chaos right, right now. It's busy busy time. I don't have time for it didn't do it what i will say is to anybody who's interested mindhunter season two is out i've not finished season one but it's a great show Uh, i'm sure season two is great i've been hearing rumors whispers of people that it might be kind of about wayne williams possibly the uh, alleged atlanta child murders uh um suspect and who he's accused of being that person i think they're touching on that um, so I will finish Mindhunters soon and get on to season two. That's my recommendation. Uh, also, the new Bon Iver album is very weird and trippy and super cool, and I like enjoy that. So I've been listening to that. Um, those are my two suggestions, friend. You've been you know watching anything, listening to anything. We've been watching Warriors. I heard you talk about this. This is yeah, the Cinemax show. fuck show, right? Yeah. Fuck karate. Yep. It's fucking karate show. Yeah, I think it's a great show. Okay. Um, yeah, somebody good. suggested uh, Woo Warrior, which I, then I haven't su- checked that out yet. Which I then suggested to you. Yeah, I watched the first episode. I'm gonna continue to watch it, but it wasn't what I thought it was. I thought it. it ha- See what happens is I'm like, it's not a spoiler, but it's kind of a spoiler. So it's great kung fu and martial arts in the show, right? Mm-hmm. And it's this great kind of gang aspect of like Chinese American gangs in San Francisco. And you're like, damn, that's crazy. The triad and that kind of stuff. And then they introduce magic into it, and I didn't know magic, magic. wasn't. Yeah, it's like magic worlds and 
it gets a little uh the cgi is not the most expensive cgi so it gets a little cheesy looking hmm. but the the fighting is nuts okay i would prefer if the show just wasn't magic yeah. in, involved in it but it's still like if you if you enjoy kung fu which we do i, I love the kill bill movies and just seeing cool fight scenes and um so I enjoy that stuff, but then there's this magic element. Hmm. Now, does the show Warrior have a magic element? No, just fucking it is love? about uh, they do have gangs, and okay. it's kind of like the main guy in it is like him, but it's like you will see little pieces of if you see any um, Bruce Lee or Jelly films. Mm. It's that's kind of it's kind of in him okay. but they made it so where it's like it's not copying Bruce Lee or Jelly mm, gotcha 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 so it's just gotcha. little pieces you like have, a little nod a little tip just of the little, hat yeah just little pieces of him little stuff that you see in his and their old films he uh-huh. does a little bit but it's not like somebody do like a woo yeah it's not like that but it's not over the top but yeah. you kind of see it a little bit yeah okay yeah. I got it got it yeah. got it so, well, uh, I, I love Bruce I like Lee it. and Jet Li so yeah. I'm sure those are fucking great moves yeah I'm also more intrigued that it doesn't have a magic element to yeah. it you know, so um, magic lost me, but I'll I'll still check it out. <laughs> I like fighting. The fighting's great. The fighting, the, the first fighting part. Great. But then but somebody the, be like, "You are the chosen one. You must take the medallion and use it to fight the sensei master." And then they're in like a cloud world. No, I, I'm not with. <laughs> I'll check it out. But warriors, the first like five minutes, this dude beats up two people. So that's that's woo warriors. First five minutes, it starts off crazy fight scene. I'm like, this shit is crazy. Another fight scene. This shit is crazy. Then he's walking down the street. It's like. Whoosh, but it's like, like, is it like, else. but is are like, like axes going people through, through people's heads and heads and chopped off? No heads chopped off, but That's like warriors. knives and stuff like That's that. That's warriors. Okay, I'll check out warriors. I'll check out warriors. You said on Hulu? Yes, on Hulu Cinemax. Okay, yes. Again, I, I encourage anybody, if you are li- currently living under the chains and the shackles of cable, free yourself. It's a streaming time. Why do you have to have, why would you have Netflix, Hulu, and Disney Plus soon, and you're paying cable? You're never going to watch cable. Hulu has live sports now, so free yourself from the chains and the bondage of cable and become a streaming household like Fran did and then taught me the ways of yeah. it, and I am now free from those chains as well. And we're giving a free promo. Yeah, yeah, and that's rare. <laughs> we don't just do that yeah. often. Also, I wanted to speak on, did you, we don't got to touch on it, but did you hear about the new the new sketch that came out from that guy Little? Little? What's that guy's name? The the the, the murderer. The serial oh, killer. Samuel Little? Yeah. He has a sketch out? A new one sketch. Out. Yep. You know, man, I, I didn't. He has so many of them, and I think what's going to be weird is somebody's going to try to capitalize off that and do an art show or something full of his sketches. Before we go, because I'm going to check that out and you said, now that you said that, I was on Netflix yesterday going scrolling through the things. They have a show called Happy Jail. Hmm. I didn't watch it, and I could be wrong about it, but me just seeing it, I was like, this is this is terrible. So what happened was, probably like 10 years ago, this Chinese flash mob happened from in a prison mm-hmm. where the prisoners in the in the jail who you know are in prison for crimes or whatever mm-hmm. did a, a synchronized dance with like 5,000 people mm-hmm. you know remember flash mobs and they're all mm-hmm. dancing doing yeah. the same dance moves it went viral and they became super famous and all this kind of stuff and Happy Jail is about it's a documentary series about the lives of those people in those jails and they sell merchandise and all this kind of stuff and I'm like who gets this money because mm-hmm. these people are in jail yeah so is the is this is the prison profiting from this from them going viral and then they still go out and dance? Part mm. of them being in jails, they dance. I'm like, this feels like they might be making these people <laughs> dance and selling shirts with people's faces on them. Yeah. I'm like, do they get the money? Because they're still in jail. Are they really happy to be doing these dances? It felt weird. I guess I'm gonna probably have to bring myself to watch it to. Because I might be making a huge accusation and I'm wrong. Oh, you didn't they, watch it yet? I didn't watch it because I just... That was the oh, assumption okay. I made. Oh, I was like, gotcha. wait, they're still in jail? 
but they're happy about it and their people are selling the jail selling merchandise with the people who are in the flash mobs faces on them oh. i'm like are they giving these people the profits i thought it was like they just have a whole bunch of freedom in there TVs to, to, and shit. Hey, to be, TBD. I don't know. I haven't watched mm. it. So I guess I'll have to bring myself to watch it because I'm making big accusations. Hmm. But I'm sure it's it's phrased as happy jail. <laughs> so I'm sure my my questions won't be answered from watching it. They'll make me think it's great. And yeah. They love being in mm. jail and dancing. So I'll check it out. I'll report back to you guys and let you know what's going on. Uh, until then, I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in True Crown, Franco Evans. And we'll see you guys next week. Peace. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.